0: hello and welcome to walking the shadowlands podcast let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained the paranormal of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams I'm Marianne, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. That name for people such as myself who live in the Southern Hemisphere may not mean much. We may not have heard about these beings before, and if we have, it is often because of TV shows such as on a popular ghost hunting series where it's treated at best, with mock respect, or as a subject of investigative journalism, such as in the case of a recent documentary called Hunt for the Skinwalkers which chronicles the events on a Utah ranch and was so well investigated by the journalist George Knapp. Also, which was very well documented and scientifically researched for years by Bigelow Aerospace, funded by Robert Bigelow. Or, in many horror movies and TV shows over the years, to some of us, it is, at best, a mere curiosity. I have a really wonderful guest interview Another Ho person who grew up on the reservation, the native land. This guest is going to remain anonymous for their safety and whose voice I've digitally altered so it's not recognisable to any from that region who may listen to this. There are very good reasons for these precautions which will become clearer as these episodes unfold. This is such an interesting subject, with so much to cover that this will be a two-part episode. I've thought really hard about how best to structure these episodes, and have decided to intersperse the interview amongst other people's experiences where they fit in with what my guest is talking about. I have permission from all persons whose experiences I share on these episodes, all of whom wish to remain anonymous some not because of cultural beliefs, but simply because of where they work or fear of ridicule, and some due to cultural reasons. Having said that, let's begin with a recent experience of only five months past. I recently had an experience that I'm I'm just not sure about. I tried explaining it to my sister and I can't even put into words everything that happened. How I feel and everything. I feel I can share this here anonymously. I don't want people to think I'm crazy. I mean, I feel crazy when I discuss it, but I have to tell someone who might understand. So recently I went on a bit of a road trip and visited a bunch of places in the southwest Utah and Colorado and Arizona and Southern California. I stopped at a park in Colorado that I hadn't initially planned on going to but had never been to, a place well known for its Native American history, various different tribal affiliations over time. That was absolutely beautiful. Honestly, it was amazing and humbling to see the history of the people here. It made me realise that there was so much more about American history than the rather Eurocentric view of colonialism that I was taught. Anyways, it was amazing. Given that this was November and very off season. half the park was not accessible and attendance was minimal, there were other people but overall it was very quiet. I had been viewing some building ruins atop the mesa, and not that far away, another large building with a very large kiva in the middle, and on the southern side of building number two was a solstice carved on the wall. I was walking around the smaller solstice building as there was a couple walking around the large building, and I enjoyed the quietness of being alone. And when I went to the large building, they went to the solstice building, and then they left and I was going back to the solstice building to get some more pics of the solstice marker. I was now alone. It's hard to describe exactly what I felt and how everything went down, but I'll try. It was a pretty nice day, 10 in the upper 50s. I'm from the Midwest, and that's still short weather to me. Some light, small clouds, but not many. Pleasant breeze, and a few birds chirping away, and more than a few chipmunks all over. As I walked around the solstice building, everything just became just still, like the wind stopped and the animals went silent and disappeared, it was just weird. There was a large darkish cloud that came kind of out of nowhere and just hung there. It was a weird heaviness all over and there was a smell of like what I thought just a dead animal, like that sickly, sweet smell of rotting meat. I assumed that there was a like a dead deer or rabbit or something nearby, that the wind had been blowing the smell away, but the wind was gone and everything was just still and heavy. As I reached the solstice wall marker, I noticed that on top of the wall, mind you, the walls are only two foot high or so, there was a piece of pottery, I swear that this pottery hadn't been there before, and it wasn't there in any of my first set of pictures looking back. It was a large broken piece, but now that I think back, it was really clean, the blacks and whites very clear. I went and picked it up to get a closer look, and it was really beautiful, kind of a stair pattern and then an angled set of lines. It was really pretty, but it felt weird oddly heavy for its size, and I wanted to keep it, I wanted, I wanted to take it, and I just kept staring at it for what felt like, God, it's so hard to describe how I felt, but time stood still and all I wanted was this pottery, even now thinking about it, I still get this weird like, longing, feeling for it, And as I held it, everything was just silent and heavy, and that smell was just so strong. But suddenly, there was this huge raven out of nowhere. Legit, on the wall, like five feet from me, was the largest bird I have ever seen in the wild. This huge raven just cawed and flapped its wings, and I kind of snapped back to reality. Honestly, this raven was bigger than a friggin' condor. Its body was easily three foot tall and its wings being just massive. I put the pottery piece down on the wall back where I'd picked it up from and just looked at this bird and the bird just looked back at me and I turned and walked away. Just like that, the dark clouds blew away and the wind returned and there were other birds chirping and the smell was gone. Actually, the smell all but vanished when the giant raven appeared. I got like... Ten feet away from where I'd been standing, just around the corner of the Solstice Ruins, and I turned around to see the raven. They've always been beautifully intelligent birds to me. And it was gone. I didn't hear it flap its wings to fly away, and I didn't see anything in the sky. It was just gone. So was the piece of pottery, no longer on the wall. I went back to my car and headed back to the visitor centre, as besides being totally weirded out over what happened, it was getting late in the day and I had a fair bit of driving to do to get to my next stop down in Arizona. I had a good 35 minute drive back to the park entrance to reflect on what had happened and how weird I felt. Honestly, I felt like I had downed a bunch of Benadryl. I was so foggy until the raven showed up. Even now, I just really can't explain everything I felt. When I got to the visitor centre, I was the only person in the visitor centre proper, besides the employees, and one guy was leaving as I entered. In the gift shop, I was getting a mug. I get a mug from each park I visit, and I was talking to the park ranger and the cashier who was an older American Indian woman. She later told me her mother was Southern Paiute and her father Navajo about how awesome the park was, how I wished I had learned more about these cultures in school, etc. when I told them about the piece of pottery. I also said something like, ''Oh yeah, up at the far view sites there's a dead animal too. When the wind dies down you can smell it.'' And the park range and the cashier kind of quickly looked at each other, then back to me. The cashier asked if the smell came before the pottery piece, and I said, ''Yeah.'' The wind stopped and the animals were all quiet and basically told them everything I said above. I didn't tell them how much I wanted to take the pottery home. I didn't want to sound crazy or admit to how much I wanted to steal an artifact from a national park. But I did tell them how heavy everything got, how silent and still and stuff. And they just looked at each other a few times and kept quiet. Except when I told them how this huge ass raven appeared, the cashier let out a little gasp. When I finished my story they had a few questions about the timing of things, how long everything lasted and in what order everything happened and to describe the pottery and stuff and all of a sudden the cashier asked would you like some tea? I loved tea and I was like actually that sounds wonderful thank you and she went to get some hot tea. The ranger and I walked back to the employee break room down the hall past the artifact restoration exhibit and she asked where I was from and what I knew about the area and I told her how truly minimal I had known about the various native cultures even those closer to my midwestern home when the cashier returned she handed me a cup of sage tea and she asked if I was honest about what had happened about what happened I was really confused and said yeah and she told me to drink The tea tasted kind of like a no-salt vegetable stock. I wish I had some honey and lemon, but the lemon probably would have made it taste like chicken stock then. And they told me about what they think I had been near. Apparently they hear a few different stories concerning skinwalker activity throughout the year, but none where someone sees the raven, and that's why they were telling me this. The cashier proceeded to tell me a bit about skinwalkers and how sometimes they curse objects to lure unsuspecting people in. She also said that the fact that the raven appeared and removed whatever enchantments I felt was very important. That someone greater than us was watching out for me at that moment because even though skinwalkers can choose many different animal forms, even though they would never appear as a raven due to the spiritual importance of these birds. She said something about they carry messages from beyond our reality in their midnight wings and if the raven appeared to me they could share certain information with me that they never share with anyone. She told me that the sage would help cleanse me of any remnants of Skimwalker's tricks and suggested I see a shaman. I had already finished the cup of tea and was getting a little freaked out but oddly felt a little more calm after hearing her speak and thanked them and left. I tried not to run to my car, but walked very quickly to my car and left. That night, and a night or two later, I had some very vivid dreams, but I can't remember anything of them, which is weird. I usually remember my dreams when I wake up, at least long enough to write them down, but these dreams, even though they woke me up, I couldn't remember. I don't really know what happened, or if they were pulling my leg, but once I got home and really started looking into things, I... have I kind of feel, I don't know, I feel like I'm crazy because I can't rationalise what happened. Even when writing this, I realise how insane this all sounds. And I still can't even fully describe how how weird everything got. It's just hard to put into words. But for the people of the Navajo Native American culture, a skinwalker is a very, very real being, a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into or disguise themselves as an animal, most often in the form or shape of coyotes, wolves, foxes, dogs, cougars, bears, and sometimes even owls or raven, as in that previous experience. In order to become a skinwalker, he or she must be initiated by a secret society. The initiation requires that the initiate kill a close family member, a child or a sibling most commonly. After this task has been completed, the individual then acquires supernatural powers which gives them the ability to shapeshift into animals. They then will wear the skin of the animals they transform into, hence the name skinwalker. However, My guest later on in these episodes mentions something with regards to this that they only recently learned. Sometimes they also wore animal skins or antlers on top of their heads, which brought them more power. They chose what animal they wanted to turn into depending on the abilities needed for a particular task, such as speed, strength, endurance, stealth, claws and teeth, etc. They may transform again if trying to escape from pursuers. Because of this, the Navajo consider it taboo for its members to wear the pelt of any predatory animal. However, sheepskin, leather and buckskin are acceptable. Skinwalkers also allegedly have other powers, including reading others' minds, controlling their thoughts and behaviour, causing disease and illness, destroying property and even causing death. People who have encountered skinwalkers say there are a number of ways to know if one is near. They make sounds around home such as knocking on windows, banging on walls and scraping noises on the roof. On some occasions they have been spied peering through windows. They often appear in front of vehicles in hopes of causing a serious accident and then there is also often a very foul smell associated with them as in the previous experience. Their abilities are said to be uncanny. They are said to be able to run faster than a car and have the ability to jump high cliffs. They are extremely fast, agile and impossible to catch. And when they have been seen, they have been described as not quite human and not fully animal. They are usually naked, but some have reported seeing the creature wearing tattered shirts or jeans. A skinwalker kills out of greed, anger, envy, spite revenge or plain malice it also robs graves for personal wealth and collect much needed ingredients for use in black magic they are also able to take possession of the bodies of human victims if a person locks eyes with them after taking control the witch can make its victims do and say things that they wouldn't otherwise such as in this next experience A note about this experience. I had actually interviewed this chap who currently lives in Brazil. We spent over 40 minutes talking about his experience, finished our conversation and I got offline. I went back to download the audio of a conversation, as I do with people I speak with on the platform I use only to discover that nothing had recorded nothing, not a a single sound. So after a few emails back and forth, we decided that perhaps it was just better if I were to read out his experience, so here it is. My mother had met some douchebag of a guy, and I absolutely goddamn hated him. However, she liked him, and there wasn't much I could do. Eventually, my mother decides she wants to move in with him. Spoilers, it didn't work out. To Tucson, Arizona, where he lived, from Miami. I was 16. February, my birthday is in July. So, I didn't have much say. At this point in time, things were pretty bad. I hated the new school, hated the home, hated everything. However, there was a silver lining. I made a friend whom I will call Jazz. Now, Jazz wasn't like normal girls. She wore an extremely unique attire, had this amazing accent, and just had this whole air about her that got your attention. Jazz was a big nature lover. She scared me half to death once when she brought a scorpion in her hand so I could see it. Freaked me out seeing that giant black thing, until she told me the rules of size with scorpions and venom. Anyway, Jazz and I were close as close could get, not lovers. Mind you, I was still with my ex back then. We saw each other as family. I often hung out with her but never really met her parents. So one day Jazz is at my house and we're watching Naruto. This was back when it was still fire. Suddenly we hear this awful scream from afar. My room and window are basically positioned next to the main door so the window looks outside. Outside we lived in a house on one of those streets that ended in a huge circle of houses. As we looked out, there was a house directly in front. We see a girl yelling and slamming herself into a parked car's window. We didn't know what it was, but it was freaky because she was hysterical. Suddenly, a man comes out, yells something to her and she just darts off towards my house. She just runs over. She runs over and just slams into the front door. So hard, Jazz and I looked at each other like, fuck, she got in. She didn't, of course. We closed my window, backed away and went back to Naruto. Flash forward a week and the cops show up at our door. My mum answers then calls me over. The cop asks if I saw anything because of my window placement on that same day the girl freak and I told him everything I just said here. When my mum asked what it was about, the cop told us the girl was our neighbour's daughter. They fought over her boyfriend, the dad locked her phone in the car and you know the rest. The thing is, she never went home. The dad thought she ran to her boyfriend's but eventually he called to ask and he mentioned he never saw her. So, she's a missing person. Great. As if Tucson wasn't bad enough already. Flash forward again, this time a month. Tucson was hot. I mean Horribly, horribly, horribly hot. And where I lived, the bus to my school didn't come, so I had to walk. It was about 30 minutes walk every day. My mother was an alcoholic, so forget rides that early. And the same back. I liked the walks though, because halfway I would always meet Jazz and we would go to and from together. So one day I'm walking to school all great, when I get a weird chill down my back, it felt almost like a drop of cold water fell on me. I thought it was about to rain, so I look up. Nope, clear skies. As I'm looking up, I then get this sensation I can't really describe right. It felt like I was a kid sneaking somewhere I shouldn't be and I had just been caught. And it was that moment where you and the person who caught you just lock eyes and you know your history. I looked down real slow and from my left peripheral something was there. The street is barren, right side is pure desert and left is all cul-de-sac houses. As I slowly look over my eyes are adjusting basically there's a house and behind it an air conditioner, I think it was one at least, the big thing with the fan that's on a concrete bed. The house was casting a shadow over this air conditioner and my eyes were trying to see it properly. I used glasses back then which didn't help. As I began to focus, my body shook like I was being electrocuted. I actually felt my mouth drool and my eyes tear up. I saw a head. It was just a head, but it was to the left of the generator facing the back of the house, nearly at the top. I knew it wasn't floating, more like someone was peeking out from behind the gin. The shadow was over its face and its head just dropped like it was soaking wet and really dirty. I didn't move. I felt like, at that moment, we made eye contact. It was like looking at a bear. I didn't want to move. I didn't know if it would chase me or what. I just stared at it, shaking. Suddenly, a hand comes over my shoulder and I hear a soft hi. It was jazz. It snapped me out of whatever that was. I looked over to her and she had this look of shock and horror on her face, like she saw a dead body. I thought she saw it too, so I asked, Did you see it, Jazz? Did you see it? Jazz just nodded slowly and I replied, See what? I pointed at the air conditioner and there was nothing, I mean nothing. The fucking shadow wasn't even cast on the same goddamn side. I told Jazz what happened and she told me she didn't see anything when i asked why she looked like that she replied it was because from three blocks off she was calling my name and i was standing there motionless staring into nothing when jazz finally snapped me out of the trance she said my eyes were bloodshot like i hadn't been blinking for a while i was pale and soaking with sweat i told her everything and we didn't go to school she grabbed me by the wrist and dragged me to her house This was the first time I'd ever been in her house, which sucks it had to be this way. Her house was amazing. It had this crazy good smell and there were these awesomely decorated ceramics all around and cool pictures of what I later learned were Navajo. Jazz took me into the living room, told me to sit on the couch and wait. She then went into the house. I waited for about half an hour and could hear faint screaming in a language I knew wasn't English. Until finally a man walks in, he had long hair, braided, looked like he came out of the movies. Dude was incredible. He looked me over, I was actually still a bit pale and shaking. He then smiled, extended his hand and told me, let's go eat. So we went to the kitchen, I eat, tell him the story and Jazz tells me about the girl from the car and the whole missing thing. Cops spoke to her too since I told them she was with me, here's the thing. She got really riled up and said a really long word which I will not repeat, even if I could. Her dad became furious. It was like a white guy saying the M word in the middle of a black history lecture. He was just beyond pissed and told her never to say that word again and not to mention anything anymore. So she leaves and he stays with me. He doesn't say a word while I eat, neither do I. Fast forward, I'm in their house door. Dad said I would be sleeping over. He said, you'll sleep over tonight. Literally didn't ask. I called my mum. She didn't care. Whatever. Won't lie, it was really fun. Jazz showed me the awesome house. They had two Malamutes that were huge and adorably fluffy and playful. We had an awesome time until it turned dark. So... Me and Jazz are chilling in the backyard with the dogs and playing. Everything is great until suddenly it starts to goddamn snow. This may sound weird, but it does snow in Tucson, apparently. This was my first time seeing snow, it was so awesome. I looked up at the little snowflakes falling from above, but as I did, I got the same feeling from before that droplet of cool water down my back, that unwelcoming. Jazz's backyard is like any other walled off by wood with some tall shrubbery covering the wooden walls. My back was to the house but as I looked forward I saw it. This time the face was easier to see. It was just wet, wet and pale and dirty. I swear to you that I can't remember the features. When I try I get this weird image like a dirty smiling porcelain mask with black holes where I should be. It was tall, really tall, and it just stood behind the shrubbery still. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't feel anything. I just saw it and the snowflakes falling between us. Then the marmalutes went insane. They howled like wolves and snarled. I just, I couldn't take my eyes off that face, but in my peripheral I could see the two just crouched and snarling. It felt like I was submerged in deep water, that feeling of heaviness and that horrible fear when you look down into the deep black and just don't know what could come up at any moment. I just stared at it until suddenly I felt something. It was sort of like a warning, like I knew whatever it was that was in the shrubs was about to run out. So I slowly backed away trying to feel for that sliding door I knew was behind me the weird thing is as I backed away I could hear the dogs in front of me but I couldn't see them they never moved but they weren't in my line of sight anymore as I was backing away I felt the urge to run like time was running out so I told myself to count to three I got to two as I was about to turn around and run I feel a sharp pain on the left side of my cheek and I blink as I blink I'm suddenly being held by Jazz's dad you don't understand I blinked and Jaz's dad was holding me. The house was in front of me, and behind me was the fucking driveway. I look back and the dogs are there howling at something. As I'm about to look up the street, the dad covers my eyes, talking in a weird language, again, probably cursing me out. He brings me in the house, Jazz is hysterically crying and screaming my name from her room. Her dad carries me in the house, shuts the door, then takes me up to Jazz's room where she hugs me like I just died or something I don't know what happens after that I just woke up in her bed went downstairs and they were both there it was Saturday I stayed over Friday her dad refused to tell me what the hell that was or what he didn't want me to see it was only later that day Jazz told me I sleepwalked right out of the house and to the front yard where I just stood there Jazz woke up because she felt like she was drowning and screamed because when she looked at the street she saw that same girl from from before standing outside at the street staring at my dumb ass stepping backward toward her like I was afraid of her dad who was in front of me. By that time her dad was already outside grabbing me and hit me when he saw us about to dart backwards. I told her that To this day, I still don't remember going to bed. I don't remember what we did throughout the day. Apparently, we didn't play in the backyard. She doesn't have a backyard. She doesn't have two dogs. Her dad had two marmalutes when he was a kid. They died a decade ago. I spent a little more time with them. Her dad gave me incense and these other weird twig things he told me to bury in front of my window and burn the incense in my room before bed. I also got a nice bowl my mother shattered in one of her drunken fits. That whole thing never happened again. I spent a good five months in Tucson. Jazz and I became close. Eventually I moved back to Miami. We just lost contact since then. Apparently she moved to Alaska according to our MySpace friend in common. I still think of her though. On occasion, while I would be with friends walking home or just alone in the dark, I actually hear barking. It's far off, so it could be a neighbour, but I swear I know that barking. It doesn't scare me either. I'm actually glad to hear it. I don't feel very alone when I do. I know the story is long, but as I said, it's chronological. It all happens and continues to happen even years later. Some of it feels connected. Other stuff is just bad luck. I don't like telling this one. It makes me feel like I bring something back from it, however, there is a part of me that feels relieved by the thought of people knowing, so I don't feel so alone. Years later, I told the same story to a friend here in Brazil, he's big on Las Vegas because being a pilot, and he told me he knew some Navajo back then, he said what I saw might be what's called a skimwalker the reason he says this is because it's believed that for them to possess you they need to make eye contact and it's what i did the first time i saw it apparently jazz's dad broke that bond before it took hold i honestly don't know i hung with jazz and her dad multiple times and one day he was very frank with me and just said some things we simply aren't allowed to talk about with people outside our culture it's not safe for you or us The Navajo people call these witches yinadloshi, which translates to, with it he goes on all fours. My sincere apologies to any native people who may be listening for the mispronunciation of your language throughout the show. For the Navajo people, witchcraft is just another aspect of their spirituality, and one of the paths people can choose to walk. There are many other Native American tribes, such as the Pueblo, Apache, Hopi, Ute, Choctaw and Ojibwa Indians who also have their own versions of a skinwalker with different names. For example, the Ojibwa call them bear walkers while the Choctaw call them Ishkitini. But whatever their name, each version includes a witch who chooses to walk a malevolent path. This type of person, however, is not limited to Native American cultures. It is also found in many, many other cultures throughout the world. For example, in Mexico, they are called Ngual. In Australia, Kurdiacha, if male. Ilparinja, if female. In Hawaii, Kapua. In Russian, Lehi, Wakalak, Volkalak, or Bordak. Here in New Zealand, we would call them Tipua. With that small bit of information, here is my guest. I know that this is a particularly sensitive subject, and I'm really grateful that you're taking the time to share your information with me and my listeners, acknowledging that even though in your culture they are called skinwalkers, that many native cultures throughout the world have similar similar people who do similar things, but they go by different names.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because like the lore behind it, I've, I have seen in other places. And, you know, in terms of like my, my religious beliefs, I am very much a traditional Navajo and believe in the traditional Navajo ways, which essentially like my interest in the Skinwalker topic did start from me like being the traditional Navajo, um, you know, spiritualist and um, asking my grandmother, who was a medicine woman, about you know, you know, I was very curious about it, and she was the one that gave me the um, essentially the folk well, not folklore, but the lore behind you know the skinwalker topic.
0: Can you briefly explain for listeners who may not know what a skinwalker is? Can you give a brief background, if that's okay?
1: Sure. Um, so, from what my grandmother told me, well, my grandmother she was a medicine woman who is you know a practitioner of healing within the Navajo community. So generally people that go to medicine, you know, men or women are um, seeking services in terms of like, you know, blessings and helping with their general lives. And what a skinwalker is, or what, from my understanding, is a person that didn't choose to follow the blessing way in terms of the Navajo, like, spiritually, spirituality, they decided to branch off from that and kind of go towards, you know, witchcraft and kind of essentially going, like, the evil path in these, you know, these two pathways where it's the blessing way and then a way that's not so great, Um, which is interesting because from what my grandmother told me is that that's never been – it wasn't always this way. And I kind of mentioned that in one of my stories that skinwalkers were originally like just part of, um, they were part of the group. They were part of the, the. essentially they were seen as people that had amazing gifts. Um, and they, she talked about like when you know, colonization of the United States was happening, um, skinwalkers would rally messages from between warring camps. And they had these amazing gifts in which they were able to camouflage themselves as animals and, you know, move about freely and relay messages to warring camps of where the enemy was. And, like, it, it was seen at and, and held in high regard but my grandma mentioned that like when colonization happened that you know people started you know breaking up the land people were people were given things you know not necessarily it wasn't given away equally and so a lot of people got jealous a lot of people were looking around and seeing like oh well you know those people were, you know, knew the right people and so they got to have stuff more stuff than me do. And so instead of, you know, bettering themselves and trying to improve themselves, they, you know, use their their they turned those gifts into essentially trying get trying to get back at people.
0: Right, right. And is it true that I read somewhere that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but that in order to become a skinwalker, that you have to murder a member of your own family.
1: I have heard um, instances where that is true. Um, I, it, I guess to be a skinwalker, you have to have a little a a level of you have to kind of give up your morality,
0: right? And so.
1: I think the best way for them to prove themselves is like, I love this person. I want, you know, it's a loved one, but I, whatever my goal is, is, you know, more, much more important than the love I have for this person. And so I am going to give up this person in order to gain that, that power over, you know, whatever, whatever their goal is, or get that power to accomplish whatever it is they want. Right. There there is something else that I've heard recently that was pretty interesting. Um, I was talking to a family member, and she mentioned that she was talking to her friend. And, you know, in terms of, like, you know, the lore and the the conversation of skinwalkers, very taboo. But you do have some, you know, elders that do talk about it. And I guess one of the elders shared with her that... You know, skinwalkers, the term skinwalkers comes from, you know, they wear skins. So they do wear, some of them do wear animal pelts. Um, But what I have heard is that the more experienced, the more, you know, the the more advanced levels of skinwalker do not need to wear skins and they can just transform into their other form on the spot.
0: That's interesting. That's very interesting. that's where we'll end part one of our skinwalkers episode our conversation continues next week along with my guest sharing some of their own personal experiences with skinwalkers be sure and join us for the second part and so you don't miss it be sure and subscribe to the walking the shadowlands podcast on itunes spotify and all podcasting platforms all of the music today, apart from the guitar bumper chords, was from a beautiful piece of music that has a touching backstory. The gentleman who wrote the song called Apache Moon had a wolf that he loved and had raised from a cub. His beloved animal died after many years together and he wrote the tune as a memorial for his friend. It is his pet's howling that can be heard in the bumper music. That was Apache Moon by Watch Rolf, licensed under Creative Commons and copyrighted in 2018. For more information, visit the podcast website com. And if you enjoyed our show, then please leave a positive rating and written review on iTunes. Spread the word around about this podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your workmates. Encourage them to listen and subscribe also. And as always, I would love to hear your experiences or thoughts. You can email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com. And if you like this podcast, please consider supporting me on patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours, we'll see you this time next week.